and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our Game Week 13 preview. Might be unlucky for some. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the Shinji Kagawa's Premier League medal hall to my Stephen Gerrard's Premier League medal hall. It's Andy Case. Andy, um, I mean, I, I feel uncomfortable with the amount of glee that is being shown from you and other friends of mine towards uh, Stephen Gerrard's sacking, which we will come on to. But the facts remain, and I'll let you sing the song. Shinji Kagawa's got more Premier League medals than Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, these are just facts. You can't argue with facts. Sing the song. <laughs> Shinji won. Gerrard nil. Shinji won. Gerrard nil. Again, uh, again, I think I think if there was a, um, you know, uh, if there were odds on who was more likely to sing on this podcast, I think that's 2-0 in terms of you singing on this <laughs> podcast to me now. I don't think people would have guessed you. I think it no. would have obviously been than me more likely to but um but yeah when you've got the opportunity to sing shinji shinji one gerard nil you're not gonna pass it up right you've got to take it though and and i wouldn't say um i'm taking like loads of glee in it and i absolutely imagine that there's other people other of your friends who you are referencing that are probably taking a lot more glee in it even than i am but um yeah look i think ultimately we've both spoken about on the pod before how them two in particular, uh, I would say them two, Gerard and Lampard. Um, I thought you meant Gerard and Kagawa then. <laughs> um, you have possibly been given opportunities that others wouldn't have been given. Um, and it, and it, it's, it's quite satisfying to see someone like a Potter, I guess, in a Chelsea job right now. Um, given the way he sort of worked his way to kind of to 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 that position. So um, yeah, I think I think for a while Gerard's results have been have been poor. Um, even going into this season, it had gone under the radar. I think a little bit. I think just how bad Villa's run was at the end of last year, and um, so yeah. I mean, you never even even though it's Stevie G, you, ne- you never wish ill on anyone. But um, I think it was he was he was getting more slack than other people would do, which feels wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's possibly fair. I think um, I was quite impressed actually. With maybe we'll come on to this, but I was quite impressed with Villa's. Um, transfer business in the summer they seem to get things done quite early as well Bubakar Kamara coming in and uh, Diego Carlos who I know obviously has ended up getting injured and is out for the season um, seem to be they seem to do some decent business and Leon Bailey obviously with that that off-season cliche felt like a new signing um, but it hasn't really come together and yeah I think they their, their squad does seem to be much better than how they're performing. So obviously that was the writing on the wall for him. But anyway, we digress. Let's crack on, Andy, with our Game Week 13 preview. As always, we'll start by running down the Game Week's fixtures. We'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points, which might be regurgitating some of that Stephen Gerrard chat. Uh, we've got some brand new players on the radar, quite a few this week. So looking forward to that segment. Uh, we will be trying to catch each other in our honey traps and then we'll finish as we always do with captaincy and who the heck is stat. So let's start by running down those all important game week 13 fixtures your FPL deadline this week is Saturday the 22nd of October at 11am because we've got plenty of fixtures uh, on Saturday Uh, we start with a lunchtime kickoff of Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool two three o'clock kickoffs at Everton versus Crystal Palace and Man City host Brighton and then we round off with a tea time kickoff I'm sure Andy will be watching very closely Chelsea host Manchester United on Sunday, we've got Villa versus Brentford, Leeds versus Fulham, Southampton versus Arsenal, Wolves versus Leicester and Spurs versus Newcastle. And then this week, a Monday night football, West Ham versus Bournemouth. Plenty to get stuck into then, Andy, in game week 13. But let's um, 
I mean, obviously, we've already made our Stephen Gerrard jokes, but just to confirm to the listener, uh, Stephen Gerrard was, I think, this morning relieved of his duties as Aston Villa manager. I think last night he said that he won't quit. And then, uh, well, they they, they did did it for him um, this morning. So, yeah, Gerrard is off Villa, um, you know, Villa managerless and obviously on the lookout for a new manager. It's hard to know, Andy, at this stage without knowing who the new manager is or what impact this could have on FPL. But ultimately, Villa have some players who would be appealing at their price point if they can get their form together. I'm thinking players such as Ollie Watkins, obviously Leon Bailey would be another one, possibly Jacob Ramsey, and then maybe defensively, obviously I know that we mentioned um, Ashley Young last week. Um, There is some hope for FPL managers among Aston Villa assets, given that so far this season, they've been pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah, I think potentially on paper, like you say, there's a few decent names there. And also actually they're, they haven't been con- we we kind of pointed out when we mentioned the Ashley Young thing they haven't actually been conceding as much recently so um, yeah the 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 kind of performances and the results haven't been necessarily great for Villa but defensively they've been sort of steadily improving so yeah it's it, it's totally dependent on who comes in um, I wouldn't it, sometimes styles clash when you get a new manager halfway through the season don't they um so it's going to be a difficult one for for the villa board in terms of trying to find someone that kind of fits i wouldn't say stevie g necessarily had a really entrenched style in the same way that some other um like managers in the in the league do so it might be a bit more flexible for whoever comes in but yeah we'll have to wait and see uh the impact it will have and then I guess more managerial news, Andy. Uh, Wolves have decided to keep Steve Davis, I think, in a sort of temporary role until 2023. Um, I'm not sure when in 2023, but obviously they've kind of abandoned the immediate new manager search. Wolves are another team who have been pretty disappointing in FPL terms this year. I know that um, some managers on FPL Twitter are vaguely keen on some of their defenders. They don't have the worst fixture run, especially over the next three with Leicester, Brentford and Brighton, two of which are at home. Um, But players like Pedro Neto, obviously any of their attackers this year have been pretty disappointing. Don't really know enough about Steve Davis to know exactly what he's going to bring. But I guess in in, in a way, they're not bringing back uh, sort of Nuno, um, and, and the wing-back system potentially maybe is slightly disappointing. And almost from an FPL point of view, you can almost just put a line through most Wolves' assets at this point unless things were to drastically change. Well, uh, other than uh, perhaps to try and find a silver lining, some cheap enabler assets from Wolves may get may get, be getting more minutes. We've seen um, this interim team at, at Wolves been playing a few youngsters, both from the start and off the bench. Um, and if one or two of those can like solidify themselves in the in the team a bit, then there might be some sort of cheap enabler options from from Wolves going going forward. Um, but but they're they're big ifs, right? But yeah, it's um it's def- it's definitely I, I would doesn't make me feel any more or less convinced in Wolves as a team. But it's just always I mean if you're willing to have like a Neko Williams, which most people have in the worst defence in the league in your in your squad, then that shouldn't rule out any. 3.9 or 4 million Wolves defensive starters, frankly. 
Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, obviously, they've been they were linked with uh, QPR's um, Mick Beal, which I think would have been a really interesting appointment. QPR went slightly left field in appointing him uh, in the summer, and he's had a good three months. And all of a sudden, he's linked with a Premier League job, and it just goes to show, you know, if you if teams like QPR maybe do take a risk with uh, you know w- with an interesting managerial appointment, it can come back to bite you on the backside. Because if they do really well, then the Premier League uh, is going to come sniffing after them very soon. Um, obviously, we just had a midweek game weekend, and we did see some rotation, I think, in the league, especially among some of the some of the bigger sides. Um, but uh, obviously, we're back to uh, Saturday to Saturday now, which does mean Europe and obviously more important matches uh, in theory for some of the, some of those English teams that are in in European competition. We're getting towards the business end of the of, of these group stages as well. So teams, you know, some teams need need points, frankly, to, to you know to be looking to qualify. Um, I wonder if some teams, you know, looking at Liverpool with Notts Forest this weekend. Arsenal um, having just got beaten PS, PSV, but you know, Southampton at this weekend. I wonder if we will start to see some Premier League rotation a little bit more, um, a little bit more often, and what that could mean for FPL. Yeah, I mean the difference this year, which seems to be influencing some some thinking, in particularly the Europa League, is that you need to win the group to avoid the playoff round, right? Um, so. Uh, just the slight changes of formats and, and things. So, uh, well, more so it's the introduction of the Europa Conference League last season, which has meant you don't have as many teams in the Europa League. So not everyone goes through into the, to the, to the playoff round. But um, so, so what you saw from last, that we mentioned on the last show that Arsenal had a game despite not having a Premier League game. And that was the difference between Arsenal and City. And it was something to keep an eye out for um, because, uh, you know, a number of starters did play for Arsenal on th- Thursday. So had kind of, you know, Saturday, Thursday and now Sunday, where a City have had a full week off. But um, I think it's because it's something we should be conscious of going forward um, that you need in the Europa League, you need to win that, that group because avoiding a two-leg playoff is a big prize ultimately in this in this sort of year of congested fixtures that's suddenly two free midweeks if you're Man United or Arsenal so um, in in the Champions League it doesn't make as much of a difference although winning the group obviously gives you home advantage in the in the next round Um, but uh, so so you know teams might well still be keen to have that but yeah it's obviously more significant for those Europa League teams and we saw the consequence of of Arsenal playing a few more starters there against PSV. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Arsenal still not still haven't wrapped up. I don't think top of the group. Um, I think they just they probably just need a point still. But um, but yeah, Arsenal not wrapped up. United's obviously second in theirs, so they've still got a, a bit of work to do. But Liverpool and Chelsea in the Champions League, uh, not even not not through yet after four games, and still need to. Uh, you know, I think I think their groups are quite tight. I think they some teams are top with seven, but then the two teams below them with six. So still plenty to play for uh, for those teams in the Champions League. And obviously, you know. I guess Liverpool have a slightly more straightforward fixture this game week, but Chelsea uh, not home to Man United. So, um, so yeah, it would be interesting to see what sort of rotation we see there. Um, let's move on, Andy, to our radar. And uh, yeah, having not been particularly excited about our radar for a number of game weeks, we've now got a whole host of players on the radar this week. And let's start with a player in the centre of our radar, um, and that is Bukayo Saka. Andy, I think often we look for good fixtures, good underlying numbers and decent form. And ultimately, um, Saka has these, although there was potential for a little knock last night in against PSV to maybe mark him down on our radar. But we're going to stick stick with him in our centre, uh, in, yeah, in the centre, just because he does have, you know, those 
those good underlying numbers, those good fixtures coming up, and does seem to be in in pretty good form. Um, obviously, he is in a in a pool of midfielders that are all similarly priced. And I know that we are, are often keen on Phil Foden, who's going to be quite similarly priced to, to Saka. Um, why have we gone with Saka as our main radar pick this week instead? I mean, it's a tricky one because you know, you know, I like me some Philly Foden, but um, <clears throat> and and he's been in good form recently too. But I think it's just like you said, um, the infamous trifecta of form, underlying numbers, and and fixtures, particularly in the next two for for Arsenal, which puts him which puts him on the centre. You definitely listen out for any you know, press conferences or injury news because, because yeah, there may be a knock there from last night. But that aside, I mean, over the last six matches, Saka's been getting a lot more involved in the goal threat for Arsenal. Um, early in the season, Martinelli and Jesus more involved. Jesus is, st- Jesus is still very well involved, but Saka is coming more into it, right? He's fourth for expected goal involvement over the last six games across any players. Uh, and the only ones ahead of him are forwards, Haaland, Kane and Tony. So Saka is the midfielder with the most expected goal involvement over the last six matches. Um, he's obviously Arsenal's penalty taker. Um, the next two fixtures in particular are, are are decent for Arsenal, and that is Southampton and Nottingham Forest. Obviously Southampton this game week, Nottingham Forest the next one. Um, Chelsea away after that, a little bit trickier, but then Wolves to end this run before the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, like, as simple as it sounds, it's it, it's the combination of those things, and and I guess also, you know, on the eye, his form um, and his his um, time on the ball has been increased recently. Yeah, absolutely. I think he uh, got in a good position for for a chance last night, which he did end up spurning. I think there is always a little bit, a few question marks over Saka's finishing. I'm not sure if I'd say he's as good a finisher as someone like Phil Foden but the underlying numbers are there I think the fact that he is on penalties as well helps I think something that that you mentioned to me yesterday was that you know Arsenal the sort of team you can't rely on penalties but if you're going to pick a team to win penalties you might think it would be Arsenal ultimately they've got quick tricky attacking players that like having a lot of touches in the box um and you know it's often just going to be a drop of the shoulders some some electric movement from a Martinelli a Jesus or a Saka that's going to um you know draw an outstretched leg and therefore give end up you know, winning a pretty stonewall penalty so if we get you know and we've seen him score quite a few in recent game weeks so so yeah I think uh, Saka fully justifies our his place on the center of our radar here but yeah do listen out for any 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 team news or any injury news from him because there was some concern about him having a slight muscle injury after last night versus PSV. Let's move outwards, Andy. Let's go to the mid-range of our radar. And we've got two players that were on the radar last week that are in this position. Joe Gomez is staying on the centre of our, of our radar, despite a slightly dodgy performance uh, in parts in midweek against West Ham. Obviously gave away a penalty, but Liverpool did ultimately come away with a clean sheet. Um, It's still, I guess, Andy, the price for Joe Gomez that's incredibly appealing. And his place in Liverpool's defence doesn't look under that much threat at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I'll just highlight, I guess, that the error he made in giving away the penalty, you know, you don't directly uh, suffer from that from an FPL point of view, right? But... The, the 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 wider consequences are it will probably have registered in Klopp's mind and it means when other centre-backs are back and fit, it might affect his place in the team, right? So it is something to be conscious of. But at this point... Neil also, Matip, they were lucky that Alisson saved the penalty. 
Yeah, well, uh, yeah, of course, and they were lucky that yeah, it could have could have led to a goal being conceded. Is is obviously yeah, and then and then but... the clean sheets got on, and we're probably not speaking about him in quite so or, or yeah, I guess there's some outcome bias in terms of him still getting the clean sheet this game week. I think I yeah. picked him up last week. Yeah, that's probably true. But I think given Liverpool's fixtures, he may well have kept himself on the radar just because he's a starting centre back and and his mistakes. You know, ultimately, if the team keeps a clean sheet, he still gets the clean sheet points and he's the cheapest way um, in there. So, yeah, just to just to reiterate, I guess those fixtures for Liverpool are Forest in this game week, Leeds, Tottenham and Southampton um, before the World Cup. So, yeah, 4.5 million uh, defender with probably at least the next couple, certainly this game week. Um, it, 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 yeah, the, the potential for points for him ultimately is, is decent. So he he stays there. Absolutely, absolutely. And then his teammate, Andy, Mo Salah, a bit of a downgrade on the radar for us. I don't think we'd often have multiple players on the centre anyway, but I think before we added Saka, we definitely downgraded Salah out of the centre of our radar where he was last week. Obviously, there was no goal for him in midweek. Not loads of attacking output either uh, against West Ham. I think he did have a number of shots, but they tended to be from outside the box. I think I watched the first half of this more intently than I watched the second half. And it did appear to me as though Liverpool were trying very hard to get Salah shots on goal, but they weren't quite able to engineer them in the box quite as much. And I think that might be down to the slight change of shape and a different position for him in this game week. Yeah, he was still playing off the right, but off the right in a four is different to off the right in like a 4-3-3, three, three, right? Um, and it was a, and and yeah, he was in a four of a four four two with Nunes and Firmino up front. Nunes definitely racked up more xG. Um, you know, got he got talked up as looking a lot better. I think he probably did look better than the game week before when I was kind of slating him. But still not convinced on his like finishing necessarily. You 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 said you thought his header was good. I thought it was all right. He got up well, but he's kind of scuffed it, and it's gone. It's one of those where it's bounced into the ground and then up into the corner. Right? It's perfect it, header. It? That's what I'm hearing. Well, he didn't mean that, did he? Like, wow. That wasn't intentional. So, I, 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 I think you're being a little bit harsh on him there. To be honest, I think he, I think I thought his goal was. In what very way am I being? In what way am I being harsh? Because I don't think he's got. I think I think his header was. It was a glancing header into the corner. Did it? Well, maybe I need to watch it back then. Did he not head it into the ground and then it bounced up into the corner of the goal? Sounds like a good goal to me. Sounds like a good header. I mean, from what I could see. You can't I mean, call I that a good header because it's a, it's an accident. He didn't mean to do that. Oh, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it back. I remember watching it in in in, in real time, and I, it, like my my initial reaction was that's a good forwards header. You know, you're taught to head the ball into the ground, and if you have to glance it into the ground so it gets into the corner, pretty yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but that you know full well that what that what that aspect of coaching means about glancing it into the corner is it like you glance it direct into the corner you don't glance it into the ground so it happens to bounce up into the top oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna watch this while while you carry on talking about Salah I think well yeah look anyway like I said it'd be maybe I, I I can't I only watched it once live and um I don't I don't I just had a memory of it being bounced into the ground so maybe that's not the case but um anyway regardless Nunez got more xg than Salah ultimately is the point and so that was a concern for moving Salah down to the mid-range um I think if we knew Salah was going to be starting one of the two positions up front he might well have stayed on the center of our radar but just his price and that threat of being slightly less involved in in kind of the goal uh, opportunities um has has moved him down to the mid-range this week yeah makes sense makes sense I think um 
yeah, like I say, it, it did feel very much like there were lots of intricate touches around the box. Firmino with his back to goal, laying things off to Salah, but it just wasn't quite happening. But then, you know, Salah from the edge of the box on his left foot, you know, coming in from the right is usually quite a potent, potent sort of threat. And uh, yeah, it wasn't quite happening in, in the last game week. But I still think given the fixtures, he's he's definitely worth a go. Is there any concern, Andy, over his over his price? I mean, he is very expensive. Kevin De Bruyne is cheaper and is obviously going to be playing a lot for Man City and you know is, is ultimately a very good goal and assist threat too. Is Salah still worth the price, do you think, at this point? I think price is definitely a concern, but, uh, you know, having Forrest this week is a big plus and I wouldn't feel I would feel very concerned about not having Mo Salah in my team against Nottingham Forest so that kind of are probably I mean that isn't a usual move for us it's perhaps a little bit reactionary based on one fixture but um it certainly adds to my thinking of why he's he's on the mid-range for us because there are only four fixtures um left until the World Cup three of them at least are pretty good for for Liverpool and this one in particular is fantastic so yeah it he 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 could he could haul this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Forest sometimes a little bit have been a bit tighter at the back since they've gone to a four rather than a three. But you'd imagine that a team of Liverpool's ability and with the quality that they've got should uh, should have a bit of a field day against a team that have not been particularly good defensively over the sort of longer course of the season. Uh, let's move on, Andy. And uh, yeah, I think. I think we were a bit lucky this week, really, with the radar. We were able to bring back you know, loads of Arsenal players, but everyone talks about Saka and Martinelli and Jesus, and ultimately they're all relatively high-owned already. Everyone talks about Saliba as well, and maybe Gabriel. But we prefer Ben White, and he's going to come in to the mid-range of our radar. I mean, we mentioned uh, Joe Gomez, obviously at £4.5 who... You know, didn't have. I think Liverpool did concede quite a quite a high number of of chances and 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 a, and a healthy xG against West Ham. Although obviously that will have been exacerbated by Bowen's missed penalty. Um, another four and a half million pound defender playing for the team that's you know top of the league or second in the league is is Ben White. Um, he's fourth for expected assists among defenders in the last six. Now that number, the the pure number of expected assists, isn't particularly high. But the fact that he's playing regularly at right back and is getting forward, I think on the eye when we watched Arsenal against Bournemouth earlier in the year, he was involved in their attacking play. Um, he, to me, feels like way better value than spending 0.6 million more on a Saliba or a Gabriel at this point. I think we're probably going to have to get together and watch another Arsenal game together or something because a lot of our references of Arsenal players this season has come from one game when we happen to be together in like game week two or something. So uh, we probably need to update our uh, our references a little. But no, maybe, the, point, the point is true. Um, ultimately, I mean, again, another thing that FPL Lounge listeners probably get annoyed with is us relating football or FPL generally to England. But um, I'm obviously going to do that now, hence why I said it. And uh, White and Tamori playing in teams doing well in their respective leagues are the are the kind of um the places where Gareth Southgate's kind of legitimacy fall down because he came into the job as an England manager saying he's going to pick people on form and then now he's doing the classic thing where oh he's got his trusted lieutenants and regardless of like no one could really be in much worse form than Harry Maguire and yet still keeps his place in in the team over people like a White and a Tamori who are you know 
at the top of and winning leagues for the teams they play for and playing relatively well. So yeah, I think I think why it it will be old. It, he should be at the very minimum in the squad for England, given our lack of centre back options. Albeit he's playing at right back here, um, but 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 obviously with it, if England play a three, having someone who's decent, you know, with the ball in, on a right, he could be perfect for a right centre back position in a three. Especially right? if Carl Walker might not be fit for game week one or even game week two of the World Cup. That well, exa- exactly. Exactly. Like I mean, if to me, the three, then White feels like a, a really good option, to be honest. Well, and Tamori's quick and plays on the left. So it and Dyer is plays as the central sweeper for Tottenham in his three. So it feels like to me, White Dyer Tamori is like the perfect chemistry and and combination because White and Tamori are both quick. So oh, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm annoyed that you didn't say alchemy like sometimes you do on the podcast. Have I ever said alchemy? Before oh, I must be. I must be thinking of a different podcast. Maybe not the one that I do. But I definitely heard that recently a lot. I'm pretty sure. No, I I'm not thinking. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm not thinking of you. I know who I'm thinking of, and that person on this podcast is also very well informed and very good at what they do. So there you go. Right. Is, me, so... com- me conflating you with, with that with, with, with this other football expert is, uh, is 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 no bad thing, Andy. Okay. Good. Right. Well, I might happy... might might edit this bit out. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. No. Anyway, that's England. Um, that's that's probably who I, at the moment on form. That's probably who I'd be starting. White. White. Um, also, I think because uh, we're definitely going off a tangent here, but because Trippier is a lot more defensively sound, and it looks like he'll be starting at right wing back, that gives White more cover and more license to use his ability to go forward. So, just seems like a perfect blend for me. Shaw's getting back in form at United, so you've got a good left wing back option. It's all just coming together. Believe, believe. Anyway, um... <laughs> believe, believe. I mean, I guess, I guess the, the, the next three fixtures for Arsenal are against teams that, yes, you'd expect them to score goals against, but also wouldn't necessarily expect them to concede many. Um, Southampton, Forest, Chelsea, who aren't that great at going forward either, uh, and, and and Wolves. I know there are three away matches in there for Arsenal, which may give some concern, but I think ultimately you, know, you wouldn't expect Arsenal to be conceding that many in, in, in those four games, and therefore having a, a cheap budget enabler who's going to get you know, fingers crossed, clean sheet points across this with some attacking threat too, feels like a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, and similar to the point on Gomez, 4.5 million starting in a team. I mean, Arsenal keeping more clean sheets and better underlying numbers than Liverpool, frankly. So, you know, you've got the clean sheet potential. You've got obviously that assist threat for him. Um, the decent fixtures that you've just mentioned. I mean, why, why not? Why not? If you're looking for a defender this week, there isn't much further to look them than basically white or Gomez is, is your toss-up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I brought, again, we don't do team reveals on the FPL Lounge podcast, but I will admit that I brought in Matt Doherty for, um, for the last couple of game weeks with Emerson Royale injured. I guess there will be question marks. Sorry, not injured, out suspended. Uh, he's now back from his suspension. So there are question marks whether Doherty will start. And uh, and yeah, Doherty to, to Ben White feels like a pretty obvious move for me this week, although I am tempted to roll so there's a bit more flex for next week. Um, Andy, let's move outwards on our radar once more. Let's go out to the fringes. And uh, Andy Case, talk Murphy to me. I mean, you that that didn't really work. It did but... work. It did, I'm, I'm, I stand by it. It did work. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you can stand by look, it. Look, you need to be. You need, you need to be. You need to be a bit more positive on this podcast. This is. Uh, this is. Uh, you know, if you were in an improv class, which you know this podcast sort of is, then uh, yes and not. 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 No. Don't want to hear any more no. Um. You, you. You. Chris. Chris Hopkins is telling me to be more positive. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think I think this goes under the radar, Andy, that you are actually the more grumpy out of us both. I would fly under the radar. I would definitely not be able to deny the fact that I'm a grumpy old man. And there we go. And I'm and I'm cynical. But to be told to be less miserable by you feels like being told to be better prime minister by Liz Truss. So... <laughs> Here we go. Topical, <laughs> topical stuff. Um, so, anyway, talk, yeah, and, talk Murphy to me. Jacob Murphy. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, he is not necessarily the best player in FPL, but he's on the fringes of our radar because he's a 4.3 million starter in midfield. The cheapest price, obviously, that you can start in midfield is 4.5 million. So for him to be 4.3, he had a couple of drops. He's actually like outrageously cheap for a, as a midfield option. He saves you lots of money. And in a week where you perhaps, we mentioned that Salah's obviously expensive, Haaland's coming back, lots of teams have Kane in as well. Um, and enablers, starting enablers are, are always useful. He hasn't had loads of returns, but he, at the moment with um, Alison Maxman out, seems to be the go-to to start on the right wing position for Newcastle, who are obviously doing well, having a decent season. Um, there's not really many or any underlying numbers to support Murphy, but look, he has had a goal um, in, in, in his five or six starts in a row now. And um, yeah, is, 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 is playing in the front three in a team that, that are doing all right. So, there's a few there's a few aspects there which mean he's he's great as a as a as an option in in, in your team. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of this move. Um, I think we I think you mentioned Joe Willock a few weeks ago as someone that you were maybe on the lookout for. I think possibly in the in the any others sort of part of this part of the radar. Um, he had some better underlying numbers, which I think um, sort of influenced that that decision. But at four point nine, I feel like. Um, Jacob Murphy is considerably better value, I think. Yeah, and, and Willett was benched actually in, in, in midweeks, whereas Jacob Murphy continues continues to start. And yeah, as you say, taking that position wide of Callum Wilson, it does appear that Alan Sam Maxman will be fit again before the World Cup, but possibly not for the next two game weeks. Maybe not for the next three. Um, so while Jacob Murphy is continuing to start and at 4.3 million. It was like a decent avenue, uh, as Andy says, a, a really good budget enabler, especially with some of the more expensive FPL assets coming back uh, into teams, having had a blank or coming back into form a little bit like most salaries. So, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of this one. Um, Andy, anyone else that you'd like to mention? I know that there were some Crystal Palace players that we have um, that we've mentioned in this segment or in this part of the radar uh, for a couple of weeks, but they both impressed again in midweek. Oh, yes, there are. I can't wait to mention loads of these people um, that we could look at. That's that, this is this is this is Andy just being uh, being overly positive and, and sarcastically so now, which is great. That's what that's, that's all we need. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. The people I would like to keep an eye on that are possibly outside our radar at the moment are Marcus Rashford. Now, a wise man once said to me, it's the hope that kills you. And was, every was that time... me? It was. Yeah. Right, um, yeah. And. Every time I start to get drawn back in by Man United, they spit in my face, stamp my head in the dirt and leave me to rot. And uh, it's painful. (laughs) Um, And I'm worried that this might start happening again because we had, uh, according to analytics Twitter and, you know, many people were just using their eyes to assess the performance. Uh, possibly one of our best performances post Ferguson against Tottenham in in midweek. Post Ferguson, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling you out on that. I'm just saying that that is, a, that is a, it's a big statement, isn't it? That's a number of years, isn't it? That's that's huge. 
Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I thought you were going to say under Ten Hag, but no, you've gone under Ten Hag and Van Hal and Mourinho and Solskjaer and any interim in between. That's annoyed. Let's, let's be clear, it's a, it's a low bar. Sure, but the, sure. But that that but, isn't. I don't think a necessarily huge statement. Also, oh, well, that's not even necessarily my opinion. I'm just reporting what what I've seen. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. The, Love but, it though. Love the boldness. But just simply because of the, yeah, well, particularly those on, you know, in the analytics community in football, that, that you know, that that's quite an objective statement that they're making based on on, on their, their measures, the stats that, that they use to kind of analyse performances. Um, I mean, couldn't, in the last three games, we haven't been able to hit a cow's backside with a banjo, uh, 80 <laughs> plus shots in the last three home games and the Chris goals of finishing is what how i'd like to the, call, put it the goals have been from like deflections and and scuffs and, and and oh bruno's finish albeit in midweek was a good one but the ball's kind of ricocheted around and like bounced to him quite for, fortunately so yeah um still could do some improvements there and rashford has been guilty of missing chances but he's 6.5 million he's a midfielder in the game and he gets and he's playing through the middle for man united at the moment with marshall injured he gets five points if he scores a goal he had one ridiculously ruled out a couple of game weeks ago. He could have had a couple of assists if people had just like stayed on side by a, a toenail or other players who were offside hadn't touched the ball. Um, he was um, Casemiro missed a header from six yards out that Rashford put right on his head a couple of games ago as well. Um, Lloris had a, had a worldy in fairness, although Rashford's finishing could have been better. It wasn't awful against Tottenham, and, and Lloris has just put, pulled a couple of great saves out. So. Yeah, he's um, Martial's been confirmed as not he's he won't be back at least well starting it doesn't seem um, on 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 Saturday it hasn't been confirmed whether he might be on the bench uh, available for the bench so it looks like Rashford will continue to start from the middle we know for certain Ronaldo won't be in the squad um, so yeah he he seems like a look, I think and I think also actually if Martial does end up coming back to be fit Rashford will just move out to the left I can't see him being dropped necessarily unless there's like an injury problem there so the, the way you're talking him up and obviously I know it's a Man United player so you know you've seen more but the way you're talking him up uh, implies that he should be on the radar not just as a as a brief mention afterwards or not so brief mention afterwards it's a fair point to make and I think what's holding me back we did actually have a conversation about potentially putting him on the radar but they do have Chelsea away this game week so that's you know even despite relatively good form from the team and him I don't think we can legitimately suggest that it's worth getting him in this game week so that's why I'm kind of still just keeping an eye on him and maybe next week he might, if that, if if the performance from United kind of continues after this week, they've got West Ham, Villa, Fulham in the lead up to the World Cup, and there might be an avenue for for uh, Rashford appearing on the radar then. What about those Palace assets that I tried to set you up with five minutes ago? Oh, all right, flipping <laughs> egg. I mean, you also you didn't specifically try to set me up with um, them two, right? It was all of the options of which Rashford is one, and also I was just being really positive about him. If I'm too <laughs> positive, I get complained out. If I'm too negative, I get complained out. Honestly, no wonder it's taken you so long to find a girl to live with, Chris, because you're just so fussy. Amazing. Honestly, you can't can't do well for can't do well for doing right, can you? What about those Palace assets? I tried to set you up with five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Palace have got some good fixtures, and Eze and Edouard are both quite cheap, and they both seem to be starting, and they both seem to be getting involved in goal opportunities for for Palace now. I, you know, all of their front players are streaky and not necessarily are producing it regularly. But Eze is still young, um, and so therefore, yeah, I'm just still keep I mean it feels like I've been keeping an eye on Palace for about three weeks since they've had good fixtures so like at what point do we either just say they're not trustworthy or we're going to take a punt on them 
you got to I guess go one way or the other but yeah so for now I'm still kind of just I guess what I'm thinking is if we get another relatively decent couple of involvements out of them in this game week then they might also be here making their way on the radar yeah absolutely you just you just want some consistency out of those two players or, or well and out of Zaha and out of Elise as well, and maybe Jordan Ayew, you know, who knows? But yeah, we just want just want a bit of consistency out of Palace assets. Um, my 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 anyone else this week is is Manuel Akanji at Man City. Uh, he started all of the last four, um, two clean sheets in that time. City have Brighton, Leicester, Fulham, Brentford, three of which are at home in their next four. Um, slightly concerned about starts. Um, not sure if Laporte is going to be back. He seems to be out of favour this year, Laporte. Um, but I think Stones is out for for you know for, for a few more weeks anyway so yeah Akanji seems to be starting um a lot uh let's see have good fixtures and he's five million so he'll be a relatively cheap way into a city defense uh let's leave the radar there Andy but when we return we will be trying to catch each other in our honey traps here at the FPL lounge we are keen to hear from you you can join in the conversation on twitter or instagram at FPL underscore lounge We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Andy, catching each other in our honey traps this week. Not a lot to swim against, which often happens when there are short game week turnarounds. Um... I guess the honey trap segment, Andy, we try and put out a proposition that we think is likely, but maybe not statistically so, and uh, see if we can tempt the other person to take take them up on it. Um, I'll let you go first this week. What is your honey trap and why is it about how many goals are scored on a Saturday versus a Sunday? Well, it isn't quite about that, <laughs> but I did, I did tweak it slightly to include some element of the days of the game week, just because I knew it would want to make you happy. It, um, it has, it has, it, it hasn't, it will. Yeah. Now, I think I've got a honey trap here, which you have to take. Ooh. I think you have to take it, which saying that out loud, obviously, uh, raises, you know, makes makes you not want to because you're being goaded into it. But nonetheless, bit, yeah. I just feel like you have no option. Right. Well, okay. And once I read you the stats, you'll see why. Yep. OK, so I will my uh, the honey trap I will lay out for you is that I think I will predict one clean sheet per day in this game week. Just one. There may be no, not that there will be one. I will predict one in, on each day. Oh right, okay, right? I see. Yep, yep. So, and that is Man City on Saturday versus Brighton, Arsenal on Sunday away at Southampton, and West Ham on Monday at home to Bournemouth. So that's, that's basically, a, basically like a clean sheet treble. Basically, yeah. In in in, in betting terms, please please gamble responsibly. Yes, City versus City at home to Brighton, Arsenal away at Southampton, and West Ham at home to Bournemouth. Now, uh, my my instant reaction, and I'm sure you're going to debunk this with some stats, but my instant reaction is they are possibly three of the more likely clean sheets this game week, Um, and therefore, you know, I'm not convinced. But then I guess coupling them all together is what makes it tempting right well exactly yes and as a matter of fact if you were to take me on this uh on this honey trap according to the bookmakers you would have an 11 in 12 chance of winning oh so you 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 cannot sit there and not take this 
Honey Trap as far as I'm concerned. I would have an 8.3% chance of winning it because according to the bookies, and I must point out that at FPL underscore Salah is where I've got this information from. He does he does good work every week highlighting the bookmakers odds for um, anytime scorers and clean sheets. So yep. I'll give him a shout out. Yep. Um, Man City have a 51% chance of keeping a clean sheet, which sounds low at home to Brighton. I'd, individually, I'd have put that higher. But anyway, Fine. Um, West Ham have a 43% chance of keeping a clean sheet at home to Bournemouth and Arsenal have a 38% chance of keeping a clean sheet away at Bournemouth. And so when you yeah treble them together, that leaves an 8.3% chance of, of all three keeping a clean sheet at the same at the same time so yeah they're they're the stats and yeah you're right I mean ultimately they are three of the top four actually Liverpool I think were second highest yeah, um so I you know but for the sake of the of the days element of the of the of the segment <coughs> I um I, I went for one from each day and yeah. but other than that yes you are right they are they are obviously three of the higher probability teams of individually keeping a clean sheet but look it's it's that thing that we always say that it's kind of like almost like you're taking the field here right because all three any goal against any one of those teams and this thing's over so yeah it, it, i guess it, it almost comes down to the wording right and almost the psychology of it because if you just said well man city arsenal and west ham to keep a clean sheet this week which is what you did say then you're like oh well actually that seems like it could happen but then you're like oh one of brighton southampton or bournemouth to score this game week and you're like oh well it doesn't take much for one of those three teams to score a goal so um Flipping it psychologically, as I have done, I think obviously I will take you up on it, even though I've, I've obviously been goaded into it. Um, but no, I completely, completely see see your point. But yeah, it, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take it, and I mean that hand on my heart. But it wouldn't shock me if you won this one, if that makes sense. Well, as when we've why done, you're picking it, right? Well, quite. Yeah, I think there's a better chance. I mean, because if you take those percentages individually, right? City, 50% chance of a, of a clean sheet. I'm, I'm going to find the bookie that's tipped that up and smash into it, right? A clean sheet against Brighton at home. I haven't scored in three, have they? If you're going to give me evens on that, yeah, thanks. That sounds good to me. Um, and then West Ham at home to Bournemouth as well. Yeah, like, I mean, I suppose if Bournemouth been playing a little bit better under their, their interim manager, but West Ham are at home ultimately and have had a good defensive record and, you know, the underlying numbers suggest in the last few games. Um, Arsenal, okay, Southampton aren't free scoring, but it is a little, often a little bit trickier going away from home. But but nonetheless, yeah, it, it's one of those where when you see the price, like one in 12 would mean you should be getting 11 to one as the treble, right? I mean, I'd, I'd probably have a little nibble on 11 to one at that. Yeah, and you're gonna, I can, I can hear it in your voice, you're gonna. Yeah, but yeah, I will take you up on that. I quite, I quite like it. Okay, mine is very simple and mine is also to a theme. You know how much, I mean, I can't call it this anymore, but you know how much last season I loved King of the Game Week trying to catch you in the honey trap right yeah you can't call it that anymore because i think the budweiser sponsorship has been dropped uh for for either the premier league or fantasy premier league specifically but they but they do still do they not still call it king of the game week oh no they call it no they don't player of the week player of the week yeah yeah so i'm going very and again it's impossible for you to not take me up on this i think but i'm going for player of the week in this game week will be mohammed salah well, obviously, I've got to take you up on that. Yeah, I mean, of everything I said, ironically, earlier when I didn't know you were going to put this out about him potentially hauling and an always target Forest, that could come true. But there's got to be a far greater than 50% chance that that it's that it's someone else. I mean, even in that one game, it could be, say, for example, a Liverpool defender, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Haaland could score a couple against Brighton quite comfortably. 
I mean, it connects to the the segment we're going to get on to next about captaincy as well, because essentially what you're saying is you will be picking low salary as your captain, because if you're not, why are you choosing this? Yeah, frankly. Yeah, well, I'm choosing. I, I'm part of me. Part of me is choosing it because I think if I'd have gone with Harlands, I'm not sure if you'd have taken me. But I think you probably still would have done, because um, ultimately you're having you get the field when it can't can't be bigger than every other player in the game. But but yeah, I think I'm 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 tempted to go for a slightly more um, yeah left field captaincy pick this week. But we'll come on to that in uh, yeah uh, in a minute. Um, but yeah, I suppose one thing I would say to try the week this week. To, to try and find an argument against it is um, against taking it is obviously Forest, like you said, have been a little bit tighter when they've moved to that four. They've um, they managed to frustrate Brighton in, in, in midweek. So there'll be sort of a bit of confidence there in having kept a clean sheet. They are at home and they do create a good atmosphere at home. Uh, in midweek, it was Neko Williams who played left back and although I'm not necessarily completely convinced as, of him as a defender he will have come up against Mo Salah plenty of times in training whether that has any influence over how he might try and defend him maybe it does maybe it doesn't so yeah obviously kind of um picking at, at straws there clutching at straws but um that's just maybe some reason to kind of suggest it won't be it, it won't be Mo Salah yeah, I mean, or it just could be any, any other player. I think is the best reason why it isn't going to be Mo Salah. But yeah, I feel confident this week. Uh, well, I feel confident in him. Whether obviously he ends up top of the pile or not is hard. To, it's hard to know. But I do feel confident in Mo Salah, and that does lead us very nicely to our um, to our captaincy segment. And let's start with Mo Salah at Forest. Although I guess maybe we can compare him with Haaland versus Brighton. Um, maybe this is a slightly reductionist question, Andy, but does the fact that Salah's away from home and Haaland is at home make any difference here? Or are we simply looking at fixtures and the quality of player? Perhaps it makes a slight difference, but then potentially it's outweighed by the fact that the quality of opposition is harder for City, right? So it really is. I mean, I haven't looked at the odds of the chances of Liverpool and City respectively winning. That would be quite interesting, but you'd think it's similar if anything um the odds seem to often quite overrate the impact of home and away form um so i would imagine actually city might even be shorter than liverpool in this instance but it's probably going to be very similar um so no i just think but ultimately the ceiling uh, for me the bigger factor is in previous years we've said the ceiling for salah is so much higher than any other player right so when he's got an easy fixture you have to captain him but this year if of any year, Haaland's ceiling is as high, if not arguably this season, even higher than Salah's. So it does make it a competition. And I think, yeah, on what we've seen out of the two, I really wouldn't be surprised to see the majority of people going Haaland this game week. Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely fair. I mean, you know, having just made that uh, that caught in the honey trap, I am I'm going to be in two real minds over what to do this game week. And I think. Yeah, again, you 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 definitely made the point uh, to me uh, a few minutes ago that you know if I'm that bullish about it in my court in the honey trap, then you know I've got to go Salah here. But I guess there is also like the pain of not captaining Haaland and that that ownership argument that that would maybe make maybe make me think think again. Um, but yeah, I think I feel like I'm going to be scratching my head uh, over what to do this game week right up until the deadline. Uh, is there anyone else, Andy, this week? I mean. 
if we are talking about Haaland and Salah against uh, Forest and Brighton, would we also look at their defenders? Would we look at a Trent Alexander-Arnold this week? Would we look at a Jao Cancelo? I think they often can be, um, you know, often we look for defenders for what we call the high floor, low ceiling captaincy pick. Um, and you did mention in the court in the honey trap that you could easily see a Liverpool defender being, or maybe even a Man City defender, being the, the, player of the player of the game week, this game week. So therefore they could be quite good captaincy options. Well, yeah, I mean, in City's last home game, we obviously massively talked up Haaland as the, as the go-to captaincy option. But um, they were playing against Southampton, who have struggled for goals <clears throat> this this season. And they won the game 4-0, but I don't think Haaland scored. and Or maybe he did get one, actually, I think, in the end. Whereas Cancelo got the clean sheet, a goal and an assist, and ended up with 18 points. So obviously a goal is a lot less likely for, for Cancelo, but Haaland gets four points for a goal and Cancelo gets four points for a clean sheet ultimately, right? So if you, unless you're really convinced Haaland's going to get like a couple, well, the baseline for the two of them is, is similar, right? So, I mean, obviously this year, the reason we're talking about Haaland so much, I mean, he's got three hat-tricks at home. So it makes it no comparison, but absolutely you can see Cancelo contributing attack in, in an attacking sense. He, he obviously does do that, right? Um, hasn't been doing it as much this season, it's worth pointing out, but um, he's obviously got the capability to. So that make does make him a legit captaincy shout, yeah. And your um, your honey trap, Andy, this week, you're obviously expecting Arsenal to do do pretty well against Southampton, at least keep a clean sheet. But at the other end of the pitch, I mean, we've got Saka on the centre of our radar. I guess there is that still that now question mark over the knock he might have picked up against PSV. But Gabriel Jesus against a team that, isn't playing very well this season in, in Southampton. Manager's under pressure as well, despite the fact that I think he's a pretty good manager. Um, you know, these have got to be some differential captaincy options, but you could definitely see them returning both against Southampton this game week. Yeah, for sure. And I think you can only pick one captain ultimately, can't you? In other game weeks, these might be really good options, but it's it's difficult to look past Salah or Haaland with the fixtures they've got. Um, but but yeah, I mean, maybe there's some who don't own either one of those. I can't, I can't imagine there's many FPL, given their ownership stats, there's many FPL managers that doesn't have at least one of Salah or Haaland. But look, if not, then yeah, um, Saka and Jesus should well be on for attacking returns this week. So it makes some good options. Absolutely. Right, Andy, let's leave it there. And let's finish, as we always do, with a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? Each week, Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe uh, who must be owned by 5% of managers, and the other person has to guess who it is. If they guess it after the first clue, they get five points. After the second clue, they get four points, and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a new clue, we get two minutes to either stick or twist with our previous guests, so we don't reveal the answer to the end, which allows you to play along wherever you are listening to the FPL Lounge podcast. Uh, Andy leads 17-10 at the start of this season with six matches played apiece. Uh, but it's Andy's opportunity to further extend that lead this game week. How are you feeling? Confident? Positive? Oh, you know me, Chris. I'm always positive. So, yeah, absolute buzzing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, in that case, if you are ready, I will crack on. Let me just grab my timer to make sure that you're not uh, not going over time. Um, but otherwise, let's start with clue number one. It is this player's fifth FPL season and is well on course for his highest ever points total and has already almost surpassed last season's points total. Who the heck is Stat? Okay, fifth season. Let me just find the fixtures again. Fifth season. Well on for his highest ever points total and uh, almost surpassed last season. For some reason, straight away in my head, this has gone to Andreas Pereira. I 
don't really uh, fifth i would have thought he's had more than five seasons in fpl actually he's been at united for quite a long time but obviously he's someone who um has got a few returns this season and has started every game so could well be already ahead if not in fact i th- i would actually expect him to already be ahead. did you say already ahead or nearly almost surpassed last season's total because he really didn't play much in fact i think he was on loan in brazil last season so i don't think he would have got any return so that maybe makes me think it's not him but I, he seems to fit the other things so i just keep him at the back of mind um surpassing last season's total and fifth season who else could we be looking at a newcastle player maybe um who there would have had five years like a target no but he wouldn't be trying to think of people joe linton possibly but he did all right last season as well um you got wilson you got almiron's got a f- few returns recently it could be roughly is it be i don't think it would be quite five seasons for him would it he, he didn't move that long ago did he but he's an option um almost ahead of last season and what was the other thing on for his best ever so you got 30 yeah. seconds uh, fifth FPL season, well on course for the highest ever points total, already almost surpassed last season. I think Pereira would have already surpassed last season and Almiron wouldn't have been five years, but Ten seconds. I, I'm more sure about it being Almiron because of the uh, he would have been in the league at least last season, whereas I don't think Pereira was, so I'm going to go Miggy Almiron. No problem. Okay, clue number two then. Uh, this player is the fourth most owned at his club, despite being their second highest points scorer and their top goal scorer. Who the heck is stat? Well, this this could still be Miggy Almiron, I think. Um, fourth highest owned because like Trippier would be ahead of him. Wilson would probably be ahead of him. Maybe Pope or one of the other defenders like a Shah. Um, so fourth owned is definitely possible at his club. Highest goal scorer. He hasn't had loads, but then I guess no probably individual Newcastle player has. Um, do you say highest goal scorer? Highest goal scorer. Second highest point scorer. Yeah, he has had maybe three goals this season. Wilson's maybe had a similar amount. Certainly had at least one or two penalties. Um... There isn't enough here to make me go off Almiron, I don't think. There could be other options. I mean, you know, I just happened to stumble upon upon him at the start, thinking about, I guess, teams that have been there roughly five years, so it wasn't so much of a stumble. But um, he could could fit all those things. Um, I'm still less sure about the, is it his fifth year? That feels like a lot. But I guess maybe he would have come halfway through a season, what with leaving the MLS. So could it be his fourth proper season? Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with Almiron. Sure. Still got more than 30 seconds. Yeah, I think I'll just... Because, I mean, I guess you could use time to think of others, but I'll just get another clue. All right, no problem then. Uh, Clue number three. Uh, This player is in the top 12 point scorers in the entire game, despite not registering a single assist this season. Who the heck is that? That is not a great clue. That is not a great clue. Uh, top 12 point scorers in the game. I mean, right. Um, and hasn't had an assist. Okay. Um, 
I don't, I'm not, I mean, obviously the only piece of information there is I would be surprised if he's in the top 12 point scorers in the game, but 12 isn't like mega high. He will have got bonus points from the goals he scored, but 12 feels high. Hmm. Who else, who else could it be? Fifth season. Who else would be in their fifth season? Surpassing previous totals. Uh, Trying to think Liverpool, Harvey Etz, Michael Harvey Elliott. Do he have had five? Feels perhaps a bit too many for him. He probably wouldn't be fourth highest owned at his club either. Um, also, yeah, 12, I guess, in the top 12 point scorers in the game. Um, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit stuck now. I don't really know where to go. I feel like, who else could have been in the league five seasons? Um, now 30 seconds. 12, being in the top 12 point scorers feels high for Almiron, but I don't know if I've got enough information to even try and think of an alternative. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll just stick. Ten seconds. Yeah, I'll stick. Yeah. Clue number four. Then this player has four attacking returns in the last four game weeks, including two goals in game week nine. Who the heck is Stat? I have a feeling he scored two goals in a game recently, but I'm not sure. I, again, I don't feel like I've got enough to move to move off him because I have a vague, whether it would be game week nine or not, I've got absolutely no clue. I know Newcastle scored five recently because of looking at it for the Jacob Murphy thing that we did in the, on the radar because that was when Murphy got his goal as well. I, I have no idea. I think I think it was against Brentford, but I I, don't, I, can't, I cannot remember what what game week that was. Um, uh, so it's it, it, it's at least possible that he got two goals in that game four in the last four game weeks I guess if he got two in that game then that's only like two others returns that he needs you said he's got no assists so they would be both goals and I th- yeah he's definitely been seen in the goals recently because he's that's why he's been kind of his ownership has been rising and he, he he's starting in that front three alongside Murphy and Wilson so I mean, it's possible, but again, I guess I suppose I've still got the top 12 point scorers in the game thing niggling in the back of my head, but he does seem to fit all the others. Where I'm unsure is fifth season and top 12 point scorers, but he seems to fit most of the other clues now, and I've got quite a lot. So the fact that he's fitting the majority of them and that obviously I would lose a lot of points to move off him means I've probably got to stay. There could be other options, though. So, uh, it, I am struggling to think of other teams or players who would it be five. five That's seconds. a bit of a middle zone, so I'm I'm sticking. Sticking. All right, then, Andy. Clue number five. This is big. Yeah, listen carefully to this one, okay? This player has a striking resemblance to a character in a film, also a footballer, and who also played for this real-life player's club. 
Now, I don't know this reference as well, but I think it's the guy, it's that, is it Goal, the film, and the guy who plays for Newcastle and then plays Real Madrid, does he, in a later film or something? Yeah, I haven't actually seen the film myself. And I do think it was Almiron that was, I don't actually know, but I I think it was him that gets the bants for, for looking like this guy. But is that just confirmation bias? I mean, what he's told me is almost definitely a Newcastle player. And I can't, well, look, I've got to go big or go home, haven't I? I think I think Almiron's the one who gets the bounce for that, but it's not a ref I've really uh, followed closely. So have you seen the film? No, nor have I. But look, I mean, um, if it's if it's Almiron, I get five points. If it's someone else, and I switch, and even if I'm right, I get one point. So the strategy here is I have to just stick. Miguel Almiron for a big fat five. I believe, I believe this is the first big fat five of the season, but you have done it. You have managed to do it. I don't know how. I'm at this point, at this point, I just can't, I can't even be angry about it. I just have to, I just have to respect it. Like this is, <laughs> this is insane. You've had two, is it two fours and a five now to start the season? We're not even, this is what your seventh game. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Like, I can't can't compete with this, frankly. But yeah, big fat fight. It is Miguel Almiron. I think. I mean, again, I'm going to try and be uh, sensible and not be overly emotional here. Um, I think, and I'm noticing this with my own clues. So I'd be interested to know to, to know what, what what you think. But I feel like the co- the COVID seasons make you underestimate how long players have been in the league a little bit. Yeah, he has been five years. It might have been, he might have had four and a half. I'm not 100 percent sure. I guess he may have, may have come during um, during a window, and obviously because of the MLS season, that would make some sense. But yeah, it doesn't feel like he's on his fifth season, but he definitely definitely is. He's got over 100 points once because he's not been that good. Uh, he's got more goals this year than any other season so far. Um, only got 59 points last year, and he's on 57 already. Wow. Um, yeah. Here we Miguel Almiron, five point two mil. I mean I have to say I'm surprised top twelve point scorers in the in the game. That that really almost threw me as well. Yeah. I mean I think he wouldn't have been before this game week. Obviously he scored in this game week too, but 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 yeah, I mean, you know, in in theory, narrowing it down to only twelve players, obviously I'm you know, I'm not expecting you to know the ranking of them you know specifically, but it, the fact that he is in it is is insane. And at that point I was just hoping that you'd think of someone else i mean i think that sounds like it narrows it down but and what it does do is rule out some big players because obviously i know like the harlands and the canes and whatever it's not five years for them yeah but it doesn't to know i don't think it necessarily like unless you know the 12 which obviously you're not going to there could be a number of players who snuck into that top 12 right so and also the fact that you're saying top 12 obviously suggested he was like 12th and not... Yeah, joint, you know, joint, joint 11th. Joint 11th. Yeah, <laughs> so... so but, but still, no, I think the thing that's obviously helped me get the five-pointer here is in that first clue, it was trying to think about, well, teams or players who've been in the league roughly five seasons. And to be honest, there aren't many that fall in that category, right? Because there's plenty who've been in it kind of long-term and obviously you've got like newly promoted teams. But... There aren't many. And I mean, I think Newcastle probably have been in it for longer than five themselves, maybe like, I don't know what, six or seven, maybe even eight by now. Yeah. But obviously the 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 not all players have played for them for the whole of that time. Right. So, it, yeah. 
Of course, yeah. So well, I ended up there. Yeah. There we go. So twenty two ten. Christ, this is uh, this is getting this is getting silly, frankly now. But yeah, um, congrats and fully well deserved, Andy. If any of our listeners have any uh, have any questions before the start of game week thirteen, which I've already said might be unlucky for some, turns out in this it's just been unlucky for me. How can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And this would usually be the point where I'd encourage you to come mock Chris for the battering he's getting on on who the heck is stat. But actually, listener, I can tell you that I can see it in his face that when he's saying like. He has to just like respect it and he can't even get angry about it. I think that there was genuine acceptance that those weren't just words. I think I actually feel like he meant that because, you know, even though it's myself, I can understand what he's saying. Like, how do you, how do you compete with like scores like that? So consistently it's um, you can't, you can't get angry. The scores Chris is getting are perhaps below average or below what he would want. But even if he was doing slightly better, it, obviously I'm so far ahead right now. So basically I'm saying, you know give him sympathy not not hatred yeah thanks that's um that's very kind of you Andy. um yeah and to also remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from uh it's all it's very helpful to andy and i but especially it might help cheer me up um we will be back next week back to a usual game week schedule now so we will hopefully be back next week uh probably around about thursday with our game week 14 preview that will just be three more before the world cup uh, but andy until then Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.